right, now that you're all properly teased, hopefully, maybe, if not, let me know. Forward! This is a book about hope. Rather than serving up yet another rendition of the difficulties currently besetting our nation and corporations, Ken and Terry's book takes us on a path of growth and renewal. They show us, in very convincing terms, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because they had this nice little cool rainbow on the top of that forward thing. I love illustrations. And even as simple as they are. They show us that by embracing a few simple truths, we can all start moving towards it. At the center of their argument is the need for today's companies to establish and maintain a healthy balance between continuity and innovation. Continuity and innovation, CI. Concentrating on the present with scant regard for the future is akin to driving forward while looking out the rearview mirror. Eventually, you're destined to hit something. Similarly, like on Downton Down Abbey. Similar, shout out. Similarly, other investing, over investing in tomorrow's opportunities without first protecting and shoring up our current businesses can be disastrous. We're likely to run out of steam before tomorrow's arrives. Getting the future first is essentially a two-step process. Improving the present while creating the future. Hey, neither step takes precedence over the other. Both are critical. Yeah, climb the ladder with two hands and two feet if you need to. <laughs> Unless you're Jackie Chan. Hey, that's the goal. Self-evident as this argument may be, the fact is that it's seldom applied in practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. practices. Many leaders think like to believe they keep things in balance, but in reality, most uh, put much more energy into uh, preserving what they have than creating that which they don't have. Mm-hmm. Everything broke, don't fix it. And make a solution that's worse than the problem. Hello. Present pressures always seem to win out over future considerations. Thus, most organizational transformation agendas are more about improving the present than they are about creating the future. As yesteryear's, quote, mass, end quote, markets continue to decompose into ever smaller market niches, it is becoming increasingly apparent that tomorrow's market leaders will be those who are able to continually differentiate themselves. All right, what are we considering here? Three things. Costs, yeah, everything costs something. Quality, right, do I over quantity, yeah. And speed, right, we learn from the whole, oh, the TV's so much cheaper, let me just get it. 
Yeah, where that get us? Quality. Yeah. You spent, right, dollars. I mean, yeah, you see what I'm saying? It's quality. Okay, enough. And speed. Thank you. I'll shut up now. Will become prerequisites, excuse me, for survival. Survivors! Success will become increasingly tied to innovation and creativity. Rather than looking at the markets through a single lens, managers must begin looking at them through bifocal lenses. Benjamin Franklin, they must become skilled at scanning the horizon for new opportunities. What was that? Chasing horizons. Horizon chasers, something like that. While keeping their eyes on the road they are presently on, difficult as it may be, developing bifocal vision is only one of the challenges facing today's leaders. Eh, tell me about it. Another is the need to find a balance. Mm-hmm. Counterbalance, devil's advocate, whatever, between the opposing interests of the party's dif- different stakeholders. Yeah, they're different, all right. Strange, even. Shareholders seek a quick return. Oh, yeah, quickie. On their investment. Excuse me. Employees, uh-huh, uh-huh, want security. Security! An increased benefits. <laughs> what are we talking here? Friends with benefits. Excuse me. Okay. And customers, of course, of course, cares, want their product or service to be high quality. High quality, but low price. Don't. Oh my goodness. Bart. Don't tell the story about how they bargain everything and it takes forever just about anything. And when we went to China, when we went to Mexico. Anyways. Right? I just, I like fixed prices. Really, I do. The way we, we had tier prices. So I, I like that whole Patreon thing. How they, I might go on Patreon. Let me know. I ain't going if y'all not going. <laughs> Come on. Trying to keep trying to keep everyone happy at all times is impossible. Do, 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 do. Okay, enough. It's a matter of sustaining a healthy tension. Oh, it's a hustle. Dun, 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 dun. Between the different constituencies. My constitution? Yeah, but it's constituencies. Taking care never to let things get skewed too far in any one direction. Oh, like a spinning top. I miss those toys. Can we get simple yet awesome toys like that? Back, please. Anyway. It's a matter of sustaining a healthy tension between the two constituencies. Taking care never to let things get too skewed too far in any one direction. This is not easily accomplished yet by recognizing the pressures built into the system. Homeostasis, anatomy, and biology. By using information technology to build bridges and destroy walls. Oh, Chinese firewalls. 
and by building a sense of community around a shared vision. I share your vision by focusing <laughs> and set of values. I value you. <laughs> I trust you too. Trust between these different stakeholders can flourish and all things become possible. This is what Ken and Terry's book is all about. Read it once, then put it aside for a little while and let your thoughts ferment. Then read it again and let it do its magic on you. Anybody got a magic wand? I don't know. I left it on somebody's post. Roar. As its simple truths begin to penetrate your soul, you'll come to discover that it really is true. Everything is possible. You just gotta know what you want. Be careful what you wish for. We wish you to succeed on your journey. Don't be rude. But that's his name. Seriously, it is R-U-U-D. Kojak. K-O-E-D-I-J-K. Member Executive Committee. K-P-M-G. Chairman of K-P-M-G Europe. I think they're in our circle already. I don't know. If not, they're about to be. John Madonna. Chairman. KPMG International at your service. And that is the end of our forward. Forward! George! We'll be right back with the acknowledgments. Okay, well, we do that real quick. It's only three pages. What's up? Three of us. <laughs> in your head. In your head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, uh. The book you are holding is the result of a unique partnership between two very different people. Ken has spent most of his career discussing and writing about management's so-called soft S's, as in staff, skills, styles, and shared values. (laughs) Terry has focused his career energy almost exclusively on the hard S's. Oh boy. Strategy, structure, and systems. Simple. That's a lot of kisses. Yet, holding true to the adage that opposites attract, they quickly, oh, like the movie Speed, they, Lake House, they quickly came to discover that our differences could actually be a blessing in disguise. Incognito. One of us was strong where the other was weak. Oh, the way we roller skate together and vice versa. As this realization become became more apparent, our relationship strengthened and a friendship was born. Hey, Quiggy, this book is a byproduct of that friendship. (laughs) Happy birthday! There is an invisible corpse of people, marine corpse, yeah, seal there, who have contributed greatly to this book's development. Here, here. 
that we want to thank. First and foremost is our writing partner and spiritual guide, Jim. Dance. <laughs> no ballet, ballet. Turkish march. I love that. I love that. No, that's. Yeah, it is. No, that's King King. <laughs> It's all good. Turkish march. I can find that. Jim Ballard, for his tireless energy, creativity, and commitment to this project. Once Terry did the initial draft, Ken and Jim worked almost nonstop together, like Fraser and Crane Brothers, to produce the next draft. It's a bit drafty in here. From that point on, we worked closely together on further drafts. Drafty. We're the besties, Jim. There, thank you for being there for us and bringing the spiritual energy, Holy Spirit, of the Big Five. Seriously, seriously, B F, Big Five. Was that like, oh, like a high five? <laughs> okay, okay. Richard Naramore, like a narrator, forevermore. Yes, he's rich, Richard. Richard Nevermore, our McGraw Hill editor, for being instrumental in helping us set the rhythm and flow of the book. Margaret McBride, ooh la la, our literary agent for believing in the project and helping us to get the best possible publisher. Who is it? McGraw and Hill. Hello. BTD and KPMG, our respective quote corporate sponsors and quote for supporting the years of thinking and research that went into writing this book. Yes, and for our colleagues always being there when we needed them. Count them. How many? Eight. How many fingers do I have? I don't know. In particular, if I was a Simpson, eight. In particular, <laughs> are worthy of mention for their stoic support. Thumbs up, stoic, helpful feedback, and enduring patience. Support, Margie Blanchard, Peter Skechokius, and Dale Carnegie. No, Throx from BTD. Stop. Buddy. And rude, coegic, Wessel, Ganzerort, Suzanne Maxwell, Stephen Orthorf, and Paul Wulstra from KPMG. I also want to acknowledge Eleanor Turtrup and Michelle Jensen for their patient and skillful typing. Hello. 170 and a minute, minute. Of the f- word, word of the final manuscript, final, final, and David Witt, without the H because it's silent, but it's W I T T for his help on the references and bibliography. Ooh, I love that word. BTD is lucky to have them on its team. Much of the wisdom found within the pages of this book came from the words or works of others, not my work, but they management. Theorists, be they management theorists, 
ancient philosophers, philosophers stone, or contemporary practitioners. What's that? Practice name. All those cited in the book have been recognized in the references and bibliography at the end of the book. And exit. One line files. It is a small token of appreciation for the influence. Flowers, roses throwing on the stage. They have had on our work. Bouquet. Encore. Clap, clap, clap. We do want to single out Ichak, Idezis, Jerry, Faust, Mary, Jelinas, Jean, Hall, Gary, Camel, Charles, Handy, Roger, James, K, no, CK, Brahalad, and Michael Tracy, Fred Wersma, Drea Zigarmi, and Patricia Zigarmi for special mention. Their work rose to the top as we wrote this book together. Writing is something that is very personal and as such can be a lonely business. Rats, preach! Each thought takes time to nurture and develop Donna and Pat services and can become so all-consuming that other aspects of life are temporarily put on the back burner. Quite naturally, that can make life somewhat difficult for family members and close friends. However, in our case, both of us had relations that were up to the challenge. Right? Are you? Mission Impossible. To Margie and Martine go our love and thanks. From Jim Ballard goes the same to Barbara Perman and Dorothy Scott and Debbie Blanchard, Margaret and Gerald Haghorn, Waghorn, Felipe Nort and Daniel Delweser, Walter Blumey and Luke Grossman go our gratitude and appreciation. Thank you. I'm going to go get a tissue right now. I'll be right back with introductions. Introductions. The book you are holding is a result of a unique partnership. No, that's not introductions. Introductions. It is possible that most people working after the turn of the century will be working in industries that don't even exist now. Unquote. Nicholas Imparto and Oren Harari in the entitled Jumping the Curve. Oh boy. That's what he did on our first date. He was so nervous he actually jumped the curve. Shh, don't tell anybody. Once there was a time in business when you could in- experience a change and, and then return to a period of relative stability. That era has followed was followed by one in which as soon as you got one change handled, you had to get ready for another. Now always, the changes are occurring rapid fire, one on top of another. There's no rest and there's no getting ready. 
In the heat of this chaos, it's hard for people to maintain perspective. This situation reminds us of the story about the little girl who comes home from school one day and asks her mother, today it certainly could be her father, why does daddy work so late every night? The mother, in an understanding way, replies, well, honey, daddy just doesn't have time to finish all his work during the day. The little girl, in her infant wisdom, says, Then why don't they put him in a slower group? Alas, there are no slower groups. Constant change is a way of life in business. In fact, to stay competitive today, you not only have to pay attention to what you're doing now in order to perform better, but to what you have to do tomorrow to stay competitive in the future. In other words, you have to simultaneously manage the present and plan the future. To highlight this idea, we ask you to consider the following metaphor. On the beach. Ah, I'm loving this book already. Visualize a large sandcastle that has been built at the edge of the water. Several features of the sandcastle are suggestive of the traditional organization. It's roughly pyramidal shape, pyramid, pyramidal shape. It's rising turrets, the crested wall, and the battlements. The group of people who built this castle, castle, have until recently been working to improve it. Rechanneling the moat, shoring up the main entrance, rebuilding the wall by using sticks for reinforcements, etc. Oh, this mean, reminds me of scaffolding and the Return of the 36 Chambers. I think that was Return of the 36 Chambers, part two. Yep. Now the tide has come in. Surfing, what's up? And parts of the castle have been eaten away by the invading waters. Oh boy. Having seen what high tide has done to other castles, the group realizes that efforts to rebuild the old castle have uh, been for naught. Nothing. Nothing. As the rising waves continue to bite into the foundation, the group concludes it's only a matter of time before its structure will cease to exist. So, yeah, what are we going to do, people? The group gives up, oh boy, and wanders off, disconsolately down the beach. Oh, this is a sad ending. We're only on not even the page one. Okay, this is a Mission Impossible. Now, also imagine uh huh, that at the upper end of the castle, of this castle, above the tide line, uh-huh, a newer, uh-huh, flatter surface, <gasps> uh-huh, is being formed, uh-huh, by a second group, uh-huh. The group working on this project is uh, sculpting a flat, streamlined structure, uh-huh, a more efficient version of the old castle, precisely at the tide line. Uh-huh. Looks like something I li- liked on LinkedIn today. This group's notion is that by 
building its structure above the point the waters can reach, and by making it flat and aerodynamic, uh huh, the model, uh huh, will be safe from wind and wave. Yeah, for the moment. You got it. On a bluff. Why don't we poker? Texas? Hold them. Overlooking the beach. On a bluff overlooking the beach. <gasps> I was there today almost. Above the activity of the waves all together stands a third group. Oh, I want to be part of this group. Eyes are on the horizon. As people glimpse at approaching storm. Well, isn't this a timely read? To this group, it's clear that the storm will wipe out not only the remains of the original castle, right? But the improved structure built by the second group as well. This is like the three little pigs story. Sounds like it. This third group is intent on fashioning a whole new way of operating that is nomadic in nature. What are we talking about here? Musky? It is not... Interested in building a permanent structure, uh huh, as the other groups wanted to do. Instead, it dreams of being able to break camp almost instantaneously in order, <gasps> Hans, maybe, in order to pounce, uh huh, upon emerging opportunities. Who moved my cheese? Regardless of the changing environmental conditions it faces, Moana. The three groups in the sandcastle metaphor, one, two, three, count them, represent three musketeers, three distinct kinds of responses. Oh, like little hearts. That organizations are making to the need for change today. Uh-huh. You can respond in three different ways. The first group, this is just like who moved my cheese. The first group sees no need to change. No needs. I don't need a change. Its members, no needs, believe that there's no need. Whatever got them to where they are today will suffice to get them through tomorrow. Uh-huh. In the spirit of Scarlet O'Hare, in God with the Wind, they say, I'll think about it tomorrow. Uh-huh. While well, Annie's still suffering. They are frozen in time, Groundhog Day, paralyzed at the prospect of changing the status quo. Uh-huh, old guard, old dog. Because of this, old lions, they are no longer in tune with their markets, and thus no match for their more fleet-footed competitors. The future for them looks quite bleak. The second group, the second group, is not fixated on yesterday's success formula, Jack, and its members recognize the need to constantly improve what they already have, Jack. They are striving to fortify their present ways of operating in an effort to build and sustain customer loyalties in current serving markets. Served markets. I've served you, and I want you to be, keep loyal to me. <gasps> Are you ready? For the third group is focused on the future, committed to creating new competitive arenas. The members recognize that even if they get better, 
they can still be put out of business by an unexpected change in markets, customer needs, or technology. Realizing that tomorrow's customers are unlikely to resemble those of today, they are busy dreaming about and creating what could be. With the first group out of the race, we're left with the last two, which brings us to this important inquiry. Question. Yeah. Pop quiz. Which approach is better, improving what is, or creating what isn't? Answer. Yes. Pretty good. I will take you. You're chosen to go on to the next page. Really? It was that simple. It's that simple. X X ah means twenty one. Forward. In other words, do both. Why? Why? Yes. For the simple reason that focusing on either dimension while ignoring the other is a formula for failure. If you don't recognize your company to make decisions faster and to move more closer to the customer, you're likely to lose the market to a quicker competitor. However, if your fascination with what you already have precludes you, precludes you from creating what you don't have, you're likely to end up as an accident on the highway to the future. Roadkill, dragon. A balance must be struck between continuity and innovation. You can't have one without the other. Both are essential. Ah,、uh, let's hear from Al Dunlap, former chairman and CEO of Scott Paper and Company. Hear ye, hear ye. Has said it well. <clears throat> Thank you. Hello. Thank you for coming tonight. There are three types of executives in the world. There are those who can get short-term results, and having a clue where they're gonna take the company in the future. Conversely, there are those who have a great ten-year, ten-year plan, but are going to be out of business in ten months. Yeah, and then there are those who can get short-term results. In conjunction with a vision for the future, vision V for victory. These are the good ones, but they are in unbelievably short supply. <gasps> yeah, sorry, I don't have a sister for you. I'm an only child. It's always been hard to do two things well at the same time. How can you do a good job of managing the present when you're worried? About the future, how can you effectively scan the horizon of the future? Ahoy! When you're concerned about the present, sup? To appreciate the difficulty of striking a balance between these two important objects of attention, consider the words of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Quote, the test of a first-rate intelligence 
is the ability to hold two conflicting ideas in head and mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. Can you chew gum and walk at the same time? Because apparently people can, and whatever. Getting people to break out of their current worldview while continuing to operate within it. Say that again, because it's embold- emboldened. Getting people uh-huh, to break out uh-huh, of their current worldview. Current currency. Current of electricity. Currency flow. Physics. Electromagnetism. You know, view. Getting people to break out of their current worldview while lazy river continuing to operate within it. I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. Is difficult even for the best of us. Yet in today's hyper competitive markets, it must be done. We have no choice. We must work in the present and the future at the same time. As Steve Case, CEO of O A O L, America Online. Who remembers that? Does that still exist? Steve Case. Well, that's a case for you to investigate. C A A S E. Mr. Case said when he was asked if he was currently focusing more on AOL's daily operations or on its place in cyberspace. Right now, I'm kind of doing both. We're looking to hire a chief operating officer, COO, to handle more of the day-to-day details. But until then, I'm doing both. The purpose of this book is to help you develop your capacity to do exactly that. Manage the present effectively while at the same time creating the future. Ah, I think you're hooked now, aren't you? I kind of am. The book is designed to be a thought provoke rather than a how-to manual. I'm going to provoke you. Since your present and future realities will be unique to your own particular set of circumstances, our goal is not to define them for you. Instead, we will provide you with some concepts, ideas, and frameworks that can help you on your journey toward world-class status. Status! We've divided the book into five. How many fingers? You only need five to enter. Five chapters. One. Once upon a sandcastle. Building tomorrow's today. Two. Redesigning the castle. First. Curveball. Curve. Improvements. First curve. Improvements. Three. Taking the high ground, second curveball, innovations. <gasps> Abbott Costello. Four. Four. Putting the right people on the right team with the right kind of support. Five. Pinky promise. Do I have what it takes to live in a two-curve world? <gasps> The first three chapters build on our sandcastle analogy. Chapter one presents our rationale for why working simultaneously on both the present, improving the existing castle, and the future, fashioning an entirely new kind of living arrangement, is so important. 
Chapter two contains our best thinking and improving our present operation. Right, everything starts right now. And in chapter three, we address the second critical focus: creating the future. And in chapter four, we discuss who should be doing what, and examine how to harmonize differing personality styles so as to ensure that. Desire improvements are implemented, and future innovations receive the necessary support from both management and employees. <laughs> the focus of the final chapter is personal, contending that the journey toward world-class status and the necessity changes necessary changes to achieve it begin. Within people, beep beeps. What's up? Whether they are leaders, alpha, managers, beta, beta fish, or individual contributors, peerless, jury, jurors. I adjure you. We invite you now to set out on that journey with us. K and T. Ken Blanchard, B. Terry Waghorn, W. VV, sub XX one V, out. We'll be right back with Once Upon a Kind Castle, Sand Castle, building tomorrow, today. Chapter One: Once upon a sandcastle, building tomorrow today. The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same time at which we create them. Albert Einstein. The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level at which. We created them. Got it. Pretty much everyone agrees that in order to succeed today, organizations must be fast. Oh yeah, and flexible. Oh yeah, and continuously improving. Leaders are finding out, however, that it's by no means easy to get people committed to constant change.、Uh -huh. They must understand. They may understand. Sorry. That they may understand that change is required, and know precisely what it is that must be changed. They may even want it to happen. Nevertheless, human nature tends to want to hold on to old ways of doing things. People often are struck in the thinking that they got them to where they are today. People are often stuck in the thinking that. Got them to where they are today. You're stuck in the thinking that got you where you are today, even though that thinking cannot be used to get them where they need to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, who's on? Tomorrow, we think there's a way out of this mess. Really, I like to hear it. It is based on three points. Go ahead. One. Success in organizations 
is all about creative use. Ah,、oh, creative use of untapped human energy. Can I tell? <laughs> okay. Two. The way to tap this energy is to make people your partners. Eh. Three. The way to make people your partners is to meaningfully engage them in either improving the present operation of the organization or creating its future. Sounds so good so far. Focusing. Next section. Focusing. Focusing and directing human energy. Marvin, wise board. What? Wise board? Yes. W e i w e i s, like Wiseman. B o r d. Author of Productive Workplaces. Yeah, 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 right. Was talking about the need to transcend the past when he wrote, "If I could ask one thing." Of a crystal ball, in every new situation, it would be, uh, what's wrong and uh, what will fix it? <laughs> it would be, what's possible here and uh, who cares? <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if all the people in an organization could ask this question as they considered together their future? Somehow, that organization would have found a way to gather the creative energies of its people, and focus their efforts far beyond business as usual thinking. Human energy is like the energy of light. Human energy is like the energy of light. Yeah, think that's on the Bible scripture that when it is dissipated, as in the average light bulb. It gets work done in an average way, but <gasps> this is just like in the museum when I rode that bike to see if I can make the light, make enough energy to make the light bulb come on, and I did. I almost lighted up the huge house, and that's why I love LED from right incandescence to LED. We've come a long way, long way, neons. I saw a sign and opened up my eyes. I saw a sign. Did it hit in your head? <laughs> Anyways, in the same way, obstacles. When it is dissipated, as in an average light bulb, it gets what? How many does it take to screw it? It just—it's too funny. It gets work done. In an average way, but when that same energy is focused, laser beam, and night vision, UV, concentrated in a single direction, as in a laser beam. Yes, Almayne, it has the power to cut through any kind of obstacle. In the same way, whereas the average person disperses his or her energy into a broad spectrum of pursuits, the person of quote genius. End quote, is able to harness like a horse his or her energy 
Beam it. Oh, beam me up, Scotty. Beam it toward one single pursuit. All. Beam it toward one single pursuit at a time. And accomplish far more than others. This principle of concentration of energy also applies when you are considering the efforts of a large group of people, an organization. The success of that organization is directly related to the amount of energy its people are willing, willing to invest. Investing! And its ability and to and to its ability to harness and direct those energies toward a single burning purpose. Lit! Shall we free up some brain power? Most of us have no idea what we can produce in a given span of time until we are called upon to do so. We are operating at a fraction of the energy and brain power available to us, and we don't even know it. Then something comes into our experience that focuses our attention and engages our mind. We work to look at the world through new eyes. For example, suppose you've never owned a red car, never even thought of owning one. But one day you go out to shop for a new car, and lo and behold, you drive home a brand new fire engine red automobile. Now, whenever you're out in traffic, which cars do you think you'll be noticing? The red ones? They seem to be everywhere. They were there all along. You just weren't noticing them. In the same way, when you're engaged in an ongoing project, a hobby, a work project, or something you're writing or building, you might find your mind consumed by it. Wherever you are, at the store, driving your car, Reading a magazine, your attention gravitates to projects, no, to objects, people, and events that have a connection to your project. Whatever you see, whatever you're doing, becomes related to it. When this happens to you, we say you are engaged in project consciousness in sync are you suppose an organization could find a way to organize 
and engage its people's attention across the purpose of making the organization significantly better. Suppose this person's, this people's collective imagination were triggered to the extent that the improvement agenda became not just a goal but a mission. Suppose a way were found for each person to experience ownership and responsibility for a specific patch of the collective quilt, and encouraged to use his or her discretionary time for working on that particular piece of the action. Action. This would become. A setup for project consciousness to kick in, as that person looked out at the world through the framework of his or her improvement project. Everything he or she saw would become a potentially rich resource for doing creative work on the project assignment. No harnessing the creative potential. By harnessing, like a horse, the creative potential of all its people's project consciousness, the organization could beam their efforts so as to produce results far beyond what would have been possible. Shall we take a break? How long has it been? Only twelve, not even twelve. But yes, let's take a break. There's always more to come. Where that came from? Just stick with me, people. Just stick with me, real tight. If you get beyond the reach of my arms, I can't help you. <clears throat> All right. Let's free up some brain power, shall we? Most of us have no idea what we can produce in a given span of time until we are called upon to do so. We are operating at a fraction of the energy and brain power available to us, and we don't even know it. I think I did this part, do we? Blah blah blah. The beam. Their efforts, so as to produce results far beyond what could have been thought possible. Great. Next chapter: partnering for the future. Once you have understood and appreciated this principle of the concentration of energy, like a laser, beam, cyclone, cyclops, cyclops. It is applied. To the whole organization of people, the next question you must ponder is: How do I tap that energy to transform my organization? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't tap that. The answer is to make people partners and involve them directly in decision making. Yeah. Hello. Anybody wanna chit chat? Marvin Wiseboard. He was wise. He was Jew. 
W E I S B O R D began the quickest way. I, I don't know. Can I can I do I, I don't know. I need to hear some more Jewish. The Yiddish. Go watch the nanny again. Oh yeah. The it's been a while. The quickest way to increase dignity, meaning, and community in a workplace is to involve people in redesigning their work. Their work. Redesigning their work. That is also the shortest route in the long run to lower cost, higher quality, and more satisfied customers. Yeah, I'm going to help you do what you love. Hey, so simple. We think the only way leaders and working people can effectively enter the future is as partners. Yeah, but I've had bad experience with partners. Like every single time. People who work must become full participants in the process of determining how their working conditions and the nature of their tasks can be improved in the short run. Meaning now, the present. Here's a present gift. Woohoo! Happy birthday. You can rip it all open if you like. I'm not going to be like my mother and tell you to slowly remove the tape and don't rip it. No, just rip it out of it. You gotta have once in a year where you could just be free to rip up stuff. In the long run, the future. Yeah, in the future, I hope I can rip up more stuff. How can you create this partnership between leadership and the workforce in your organization? Well, can we do it in an elegant way? You know, classy, not trashy. Working toward it. One elegant way is through the power of human voice. No, choice. Right, okay, I can choose. It's, yes, no more of that saying. Yeah, I don't have a choice. No, we're not gonna say that anymore. I'm not gonna say that anymore. It's been well established that when a radically innovative idea is proposed to the mind, the mind first first tendency is to ask, oh, how can it be made real? Since the mind is using old thinking as it ponders this question. I'm pondering or thinking. It can't, it cannot see its way to the finished product. I'm still thinking, pensive. So it rejects the idea out of hand. Like my mother, every time I have an idea. The mind reacts differently, however, when it is asked to choose between one or more alternatives. Oh boy, kill him here. The energy of attention then is directed not to yes or no, but hmm, which one? But to which? To illustrate this principle, we ask you to imagine yourself in the following scenario. You are in a final interview for a new job. Your would-be department manager opens your meeting by saying, from your perspective, we're very happy to have you join our team. Since you're here today, I assume that direction, that decision is mutual. But before finalizing our relationship, I'd like to cover one more important aspect of your job. Then the manager smiles, leans forward and says, we've learned over the years that most people in the work, in the world of work, have more creative energy and brain power than they use on the job. If we can tap into and focus some of those, this, 
discretionary energy on improving our present operation or designing our future, the payoff can be tremendous. Consequently, we say that everyone in our organization has two jobs. One is his or her day job in some way helping to provide customers with high quality products and services. But secondly, each person has a mm, transform transformation job. Yeah, quote, transformation job, unquote. In this capacity, you'd be playing on one of two teams. If you join our company, we want to offer you a choice of which of those two teams you wish to join. The first team we call a P team, okay, P, P, P. The P stands for present. A P team has the job of revising their present organization so that we can be more responsive to our customers today. Its focus is on improvement. The second team is the F team. Mm -hmm. The F is for future. Got it. The task of an F team is to create the future by imagining what customers and markets will be like then. Hmm. It is focus. Its focus is on innovation instead of improvement innovation okay improve present or innovate the future improve my present situation while innovating the future whistle while i work dream while i work and try not to cut my fingers off both teams operate at the same time we see the work of these two teams as being the only way we can achieve our goal of becoming a world-class organization it's like you keep your eyes on the top of the mountain while your hands are climbing. You don't keep your hand, eyes on your hands. You see? You see? You don't drive looking at the steering wheel. Do ya? Do ya? Are you sure? <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure. So I know. Both teams operate at the same time. We see the work of these two teams as being the only way we can achieve our goal of becoming a world-class organization. You can help us to do that, right? Because I don't know how many more personalities I can come up with on my own. <laughs> as you're pondering all of this, the manager hands you a card and says, to help you decide which team you want to play on, read over this list of questions and see what you think. As you look at the card. All right, I'm looking at the card. Focus questions, focus questions, focus. Which has more appeal to you? Improving what is or creating what's not, what isn't? Uh-huh. Yeah, what appeals to me more? Improving what is, what is, improving what is or creating what isn't? Mmm. Number two. Do you see yourself as more of a uh, maintenance engineer or an architect? <laughs> Details or dreamy? I'm more dreamy. Are you more interested in doing things right or doing the right things? 
Yeah, uh-huh. The right things as for present. Would you prefer to tune a carburetor or build a rocket ship? <laughs> Musky. Would you rather implement a direction or determine it? <laughs> Machete in my hand. Would you rather produce results now or design how they will be produced in the future? <laughs> I'm already there. Designing the future. It was an old t uh, YouTube channel, but yeah, he got, he was before his time, and he's all like, he already. Anyways, all right, we'll be right back. I lost the. Oh, I, I need reload. All right, that was the end of the Mission Impossible. So to get some help, since we need some practice, I guess, we're gonna go to the next and most famous Ken, Kenneth Blanchard book. This one he worked on, and this is the reason I like Kenneth Blanchard books, because he works with other people on every book, like, right, exactly what he's preaching. Spencer Johnson, MD, with Kenneth Blanchard, PhD, the One Minute Manager. Increase productivity, profits, and your own prosperity. A classic, whether you manage at home, a business, a family, or a work life. It works. This Berkeley book contains the complete text of the original hardcover edition, The One Minute Manager, a Berkeley book, published by Arrangement with William Morrow and Company, Inc. <clears throat> Printing History, William Morrow and Company Edition, published 1982, Berkeley Trade, Paperback Edition, October 1983, All Rights Reserved, Copyright 1981-1982, and Blanchard Family Partnership and Candle Communications Corporation. This book may not be reproduced in part or in whole by mineograph or any other means without permission. For information address, William Morrow and Company, Inc., 105 Madison Avenue, New York, New York, 10016. ISBN number 0-425-09847-8. I hope I got all that right. Yeah, okay, so that's good. One way or the other, you throw the next one really fast. Not really. Okay. Good tongue exercise, though, ain't it? Table of contents, or the one second, ooh, contents. If you can only see what I'm seeing. Here's the quick table of contents. The search. The one-minute manager. The first secret. What is it? One minute goals. Ooh, summarized? Yeah, yeah. And then the second secret. What's that? One minute praisings? What? And then the summary? Uh-huh. And then the appraisal? Ooh. What's the third secret? One minute reprimands? Ooh. And then the summary of that. The one minute manager explains. Oh, I write by way of why one minute goals work. Why one-minute praisings work? Why one-minute reprimands work? Well, isn't that isn't it a one-one-one? I don't know what is. A gift to yourself, a gift to others, rewards, cards, maybe acknowledgments, and about the authors. Well, that was quick. One, the symbol, the one-minute manager's symbol, that little icon right there I see in front of me that looks like those old clock things. Okay, good. Says one second. Inside an ooh. A one-minute 
readout from the face of a modern digital watch is intended to remind each of us to take a time out, to take a minute, just one minute, one minute, that's all I need, out of our day to look into the faces of the people we manage and to realize that they are our most important resources. I love looking at all your faces every day. That's how I go and pick people. I just look at all their pictures. Introduction in this brief story, we present you, it is really brief, like less than 100 pages. We present you with a great deal of, and with big margins, what we have learned from our studies in medicine and behavioral sciences. Woohoo, double whammy. About how people work best with others. By best, best. <clears throat> we're besties, we're besties. By best, we mean how people produce valuable results. Ooh, keyword, Beanie Herman. Cheers. Do we have to drink every time we hear valuable? Yeah, let's do it. Or at least lick my coffee candy. Okay. We present you with a great deal of what we have learned from our studies in medicine and behavioral sciences about how people work best with other people. By best, air quotes, we mean how people produce valuable results and feel good about themselves, the organization, and the people, other people, with whom they work. We're working together, might as well work. Like the way we work. You like the way I work? Do you? If not, let's work on it. <laughs> uh, these allegories, the One Minute Manager, is a simple compilation of what many wise people have taught us and what we have learned ourselves. We recognize the importance of these sources of wisdom. We also realize that the people who work with you as their manager will look to you as one of their resources or sources of wisdom, right? When you want to hear from the horse's mouth and the person who's actually on the front lines, we trust, therefore, that you will take the practical knowledge you gain from this book and use it in your daily management. For as the ancient sage Confucius, right? I'm so hooked on that YouTube channel called Quotes. It's just a big Q with a big live and I always get fooled. I think they're live, but sometimes they are. I don't know. I hang out there and I play with the little heart thingies. Don't you like that? I like that. I like all the new improvements y'all social medias are doing for us. You're awesome. <laughs> it wouldn't, you know. Uh, for the ancient sage, Confucius advises each of us the essential, the essence of knowledge is having it, to use it. The essence of knowledge is having it, to use it. If we don't use it, it's like a knife. It goes rusty. A car is just a paperweight if we don't start. We hope you enjoy using what you learned from the One Minute Manager, and that as a result, you and the people you work with will enjoy happier, healthier, and more productive lives. Yours truly, Kenneth Spencer. And Celeste, yours, mine. We, we, <laughs> the search. This page is left intentionally blank so we can take a break. We'll be right back with the 
Let's search. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I believe in miracles. You ever seen that one? I'll send that one. A hint, you're gonna see a mouse. Don't squeal, don't squeal. The Search Once, there was a bright young man who was looking for an effective manager. He wanted to work for one. He wanted to become one. His search had taken him over many years to the far corners of the world. He had been in its small towns and in the capitals of the most powerful nations. He had spoken with many managers, with government administrators and military officers, construction superintendents and corporate executives, university presidents, shop foremen, unit utility supervisors, foundation directors, with the managers of shops and stores, of restaurants, banks and hotels, and with men and women, young and old. <laughs> the whole gamut, basically. He had gone into every kind of office, large or small, luxurious and sparse, with windows and without. He was beginning to see the full spectrum of how people manage people. But he wasn't always pleased with what he saw. He had seen many tough managers whose organizations seemed to win while their people lost. Some of their superiors thought they were good managers. Many of their subordinates thought otherwise. As the man sat in each of these, quote, tough people's offices, he would ask, what kind of manager would say you, what kind of a manager would you say you are? These answers varied only slightly. I'm an autocratic manager. You know, I keep on top of the situation. Oh, I'm a bottom line manager. Hard-nosed. I'm realistic. I'm profit-minded. He heard the pride in their voices, in their interest, in results. The man also met many nice managers whose people seemed to win while their organizations lost. Some of the people who reported to them thought they were good managers. Those to whom reported to those sorry the music is yeah distracting I'll be back okay before we continue further let us do a prayer I'm gonna bring you to my prayer time. These are your basic prayers in Latin and English. I'm constantly trying to learn more Latin. Orationes utilisissime. Did I say that right? Not sure. Couldn't read it while I was doing a 90 degree. Utilisime. Basic prayers for you to utilize for, you know, orations, you know, aura. Your. 
speech. Oracle? Yeah, okay. They are some of the most commonly used prayers in the church. All of them have a long tradition of usage in one form or another. They appear, they appear frequently in both the public liturgy of the church and private devotions. Because of their frequent use in the church, these and other such prayers are often committed to memory by the faithful. The first one, most important, is the sign of the cross, your shortest one. If you remember nothing else, simple, how many words? So little. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. In the name of the Father, Patris, and of the Son, Filii, and of the Holy Spirit. Spiritus Sancti. Amen? Amen. It's the same in Latin. Go figure. So easy. All right. The next one is super easy. Glory be. This is your second shortest one. A short expression of the praise to the Trinity from the very early church. Authors such as Hippolytus, Hippo, yeah, Hippo, Hippolytus, two-piece, and Origen, both around the 200s, two, three, one, two, three, five, use very similar phrases in praise of the Trinity. The form became fixed, so to what we have today by the name of the Arian controversies of the fourth century. Okay, when you learn about heresies, you're just like, ugh, oh, yes, a lot of drama, yes, Sorry, debate, yes, thank you, bye-bye. It is used extensively in the Mass, the Divine Office, and also many other devotions such as the Rosary. Okay, see? Everything's in the Rosary, but I'm getting you there. Don't worry. Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father. In English, there's a lot more words than in Latin. Gloria Patri. Two words. English. It's like a two to, it, it's a two to four exchange. Five. Two to five exchange. Mm-hmm. From Latin to English. You gotta learn three more words. Glory be to the Father and to the Son et filio. See, again, two to four. And to the Holy Spirit. Et spiritui sancto. Three to five. There you go. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Secut eret in principio. Whatever it was in the beginning, the principle. Et nunc and now. Still now. 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 Whenever you say now. Okay, great. Et nunc is now and will be forever et semper et in secula seculorum that's a pretty good exchange right there okay great got it good next okay three things i gotta do a third thing here all right great the lord's prayer that's the most important one that i gotta remember in latin this is my next checklist honeydew honey do this great if you're my honey you do it. We're honeys, right? Attila? So. Hey! 
P-O, po, si po, si possible. In Latin, it's P, pater. In English, it's O, our father. You see, P-O, po, si po, pater noster, our father. But it's father, ours, because it's pater, father, noster, ours. Go figure, left, right, right, left. Okay, great. Now you know why I'm dyslexic, but not. Who art in heaven, qui us in celis, hallowed be thy name. Sanctificer nomen tuum. Thy kingdom come. Avianat, come. Advance. Avianat regnum, kingdom, because he's regis. The leader, the king, reggae, Rex. Okay, great. Doom, his, yours. Okay, advance the kingdom of yours. Thy kingdom come. Avaniat regnum tuum. Thy will be done. Fiat. Told you. What's fiat mean? Thy will be done. Fiat voluntas tua. Mm-hmm. Your will be done. Done. Fiat. Done. Fiat. Voluntas. Your will. You voluntarily will it. You voluntary. Voluntas. You. Who? Two. Okay. Got it? Okay. Great. Secut in cello. Sounds like a cello. Et in terra. As it is in heaven. Cello. So, and is earth. Okay, great. Panem, panem, panera bread. Anybody? Okay, wait. Panera bread. Panem, nostrum, us. Okay. Quitidianum. Okay. Da nobis hode. Okay. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay. Quotio. Every day, da, da, the, the the amount that we need, the quotient that we need for that day. Okay, so the bread, us. Okay, the amount that we need that day. Okay, da, us. You give it to us. Okay, great. All right, great. Daily bread, and forgive the mite, like cross it out. Nobis our debita our debt. D-E-B-I-T-A. Debita nostra. Ours. Secut, same as, et, and, nos, us, dimitamus. Dimitimus. As we forgive in. Debitoribus, the debt of nostris. Ours. Et, nay, and, do not nos us in ducas in ducas intentionum intentation. Said libera. Instead, liberate nos us amalo from evil. Amen. Okay, everybody got it. Great. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Don't worry about remembering everything. We'll do it again tomorrow. Took me a whole dang year to remember the Ave Maria.
プナングラレツーヘオメリーアベマリア Full of grace Grazia plena The Lord is with thee Dominus tecum Blessed art thou amongst women Benedicta tu in mulieribus And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesu. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Santa Maria, Mater Dei, pray for us sinners, ora pro, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, now, nunc, and at the hour of our death, amen. Et in ora mortis nostre, amen. Gotta go. Hello. You guys want to sing something every time I'm telling you I gotta wait till they're sleeping or else it just like mosquitoes to that awesome new mosquito trap they invented Isn't that great all right so you got it those are the three main ones you need after that it's the Apostles Creed and we've read that a couple times already so I'm gonna skip it and go I read all the Institutio Catholica, which told you about all the virtues, right? We did that already. And so we're going to move on to, we did the I Confess, right? We're going to go on to the Come Holy Spirit. Yay! That's the one I love to do right after Holy Mary because wherever she goes, he goes. So here we go. Come. Benny, Benny, come, 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 come. Vamos, vamos. Benny, vamos. Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit. It's a traditional prayer asking for the grace of the Holy Spirit. It has been used for centuries as a prayer of private devotion. The text appeared in the Prospers for the Feast of Pentecost in both the Mass and the Divine Office, and also in the votive Mass of the Holy Spirit, the first part, which has a partial indulgence attached to it, is the antiphon for the Magnificat for Pentecost, the Veriscule and Response are associated with the readings for the feast. Lastly, the collect is found in the no- m- votive mass. Votive mass. Thank you. <clears throat> Benny, come. Sancte Spiritus, Holy Spirit. Replay. Refill. Refill. 711. Re- oh man. Right? Everybody loves around because they have free refills. Replenish. Replay. To orum. Corda fidelium. Fill the hearts of thy faithful. Replay to orum rum. Eh? You like rum, whiskey? I don't know. What do you like? Got right? What spirit do you like? <gasps> Corda. Don't get drunk. Corda. See, Father Chris. He explains all about that whole drunken thing the other day. I didn't even forget. It's one of those videos. Heart of thy faithful, faithful fidelium, fide, fidelium, fide, fide, F-I-D-E-L-I-U-M, one word, fidelium, faithful, okay, great, 
et tui amoris. Anybody know what amor means? In eis ignem exende, exende. Incense, enkindle, aflame, amore. And kindle in them the fire of thy love. Oh boy. Right? Hello. <laughs> Emite, emit, spiritum, the spirit of tuum, you. Et creabuntur and create, they shall be. Et renovabis, renew, renovate, renovabis. Faciam, the face, face. If you say F-A-C-E with the, it's with the K sound instead of the S sound for the C, what would it say? Yeah, facium, facium in this case. The endings always change. Facium terrae, the earth. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Et renovabis. Faciem diare. Let us pray in one word. Oremus. O God, in one word. Deus. Who taught the hearts of the faithful. Qui corda, heart, fidelium, faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit. Sancti, holy. Spiritus, spirit, illustratione. Did Adobe invent the word? Illustrator? No. Illustratione. Illustrious. Light. Of the Holy Spirit. Who taught you? Document? Dacuisti. Got it. O God, Deus, who taught the hearts of the faithful, qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustratione docuisti, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may always be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So that last part. Da nobis in eodem spiritu recta sapere et de eius semper consolatione gaudere per Christum nominum nostrum Amen Very good If you picked up one word in there that was Latin you are doing excellente Act of faith Actus fidei Act of hope Actus Spay, act of love, 
actus caritates. Oh boy, that's a lot of acts. Acts! Acts like it. You want the background? Why not? Virtutes theologicae. The theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. The three beads on your rosary. Here we go. The origins of the theological virtues lie with scripture. Just FYI on my, I like to, I like to do this in the future project. I like to make my own rosaries. No, seriously. If I was to have a business and say, give me money for this, it would be that. But you don't have to give me money, but I would just make it for you. But if you want to donate, but you know, right? It's something you can keep forever. Like a rose that doesn't fade. Hello. Hello. I'm going to make it with, we're not using CZ. That's all I'm talking about. We're going to use Swarovski crystals, right? Aussie, I know somebody's an Aussie. You know that or Taiwan? Swarovski crystals. It doesn't have to be Swarovski. It's just that really good, right? That stuff can cut glass. I'm telling you, the real stuff. No, CZ. Cupid's a guardian. No. The real deal. If it doesn't, no, right. If it doesn't cut glass, eh, hello. So, faith hope and love remain these three but the greatest of these is love what's better than a diamond it starts with an m it's more brilliant the grade is higher it's more pure i can't remember the name right now but it's not a diamond and it's like a fraction of the cost but it's more brilliant it's like a hundred times more brilliant what is the name of it all right starts with an m 1 Corinthians 13, 13. There and throughout scripture, I mean, if the point is brilliant, you want the one that gives you the most brilliant light. It's like a freaking rainbow in my eyeball. Scripture, the themes of faith, hope, and love are constantly stressed. And thus, they have been singled out and given the name, quote, the theological virtues, unquote. They are called theological virtues because the word, quote, theological, unquote, means Quote, belonging to or relating to God, unquote. Our faith, hope, and love must have God for their basis and motive. Otherwise, they are worthless. In scripture, we see that faith is the beginning of human salvation. For without faith, it is important to, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He said that. Hebrews chapter 11, room number 6, 11th floor. From this faith in God must then come hope. The confident hope that God will carry out his promises. Right, first comes the promise, then comes the waiting. He, his promises to us. Scriptures tells us, where? Romans, the Romans are talking about it on the eighth floor, 24th room. For in hope we were saved. And also in the Galatians building, floor, fifth floor, room five. For through the Spirit, by faith, we await the hope of righteousness. 
For through the Spirit, by faith, we await the hope of righteousness. Lastly, righteous! From this hope, built upon faith, springs love. Why? For, quote, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out. Oh, what's before one? Zero! Like the lip of something you're pouring something out of. Into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Like a bird. I'm going to feed his little chicks. It is from this love that Christ spoke about when he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself when you are full and overflowing and it just can't help but flow it out. You gotta just go and love somebody and hug somebody and go. And they, when they're happy, they smile at you and you just can't help but smile yourself and the look and the two of you just smiling at each other after a while and you don't know why. And you're like, I'm so happy. I'm having a good day too. Let's go spread the joy and love and make it contagious the good way. Two popes in particular felt very strongly about these theological virtues. Pope Benedict the 13th. Mama, I don't have poopy. Okay. Anthony's going poopy. Okay. Can you ask Anthony to change poopy for him, please? Please in the bathroom pooping. Okay, then when he's done, just give me five minutes. Okay. Thank you. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. 1649 to 1730, last paragraph, and then I gotta go. Gee, I wonder why. On January 15, don't breathe, 1728, granted a plenary plenary indulgence to the acts of faith, hope, and love. 28 years later, on January 8, 1756, Pope Benedict XIV, 1675 to 1758, who felt strongly that these theological virtues were ever so important, confirmed his predecessor's grant and extended the grant to include a partial indulgence whenever they were recited. It's like an instant zap. You want a needle? Here's a needle. Indulge me. He also extended the grant to any legitimate forms of the three theological virtues. It doesn't have to be exactly this, but any kind of legitimate form, okay? This later grant continues to today. It, it's just, but if you truly understand the intention and you can pass it all that way, that's fine. It's not about nitpicking over little words, but do you understand? Or if you can explain yourself, if you can give testimony and witness, then that's what we're called to do. Okay, great. You have to explain yourself when asked. This later grant continues to today in the 
Encheridian, oh boy, Encheridian indulgentiarum, oh, it's Latin. A partial indulgence is granted to any legitimate act of faith, hope, and love. There you go. Legitimate. There are many versions of these acts of faith, hope, and love. The ones given below are the popular ones seen these days, such as those found in the Baltimore Catechism, which we have done. If you scroll down a couple steps right here, a couple rooms down, we have the Baltimore Catechism, which we will go back to. I'm backstepping to see the pattern. Oh, great. I'm visiting these little rooms and seeing. I can't leave them, right? I, I'm not distracted. It's just, it, it's just, right? Whatever. I gotta go change some diapers. We'll be back with Act of Faith or something else. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Let me hear from you. Let me hear you. Okay. All right. We cannot complete our mission without intelligence. And I got some intelligence for you. All right. All right. All right. We're going to learn today. Mm hmm. Uh, what's the new taboo subject we're going to attack today? <laughs> Hello, like you got to be told. Yes, apparently I do. Great. It's the CC. There's so many C's, aren't there? We're in the year of C. It's almost like he knew. You think? I do. All right, Mr. Professor. Profess to me. What's up? What's the news? I see your gold grills right there. Las Vegas dental implants my ass. Luzi Ching's study covers the evolution, oh, that E word, of Chinese, that C word, diocese, the D word, from the 16th century to the modern era. Well, is this got my name all over it? News desk, read it to me. 2023, June 21, military time, 2040, oh, snap, it's in reverse, east meets west, west means east, how do you spell we, uh, that's how you go, all right, great, Chinese academic professor Lu Ching has published an updated version of his book entitled History, History of the Evolution of Catholic Diocese in China. The book published under the patronage of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, C-A-S-S, CAS. We need a casting call, open casting call. Provides a comprehensive overview of the history, history, and development, development of Catholic dioceses. In China, China, Zhongguo, okay? China is porcelain. Go get you some bone. From the 16th century to the present day. The latest edition of his book, of the book, includes new contributions, aya, and the insights into the establishment and growth of Catholic dioceses in China. It is considered an important economic work that can not only interests that not only interests scholars studying historical events but also addresses 
issues relevant to the present and the future of Chinese Catholicism. Click here. The book, CC for short. Carbon copy. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. The book. <laughs> right number of C six. Periodic tables elements. Sure. Why not? Six element. Here we go. Then there's seven. So many. The, you should see the original how they put together the thing. It was like he he did it in one night. Amazingly, like playing cards, and he was like, I gotta organize this thing. One night. How long did it take C.S. Lewis to write his Avengers of uh, Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia? <laughs> Lightning fast, people. Lightning fast. It's almost like spiritual. Oh, <gasps> you didn't say that S word. I did. The book begins its historical coverage from 1576. Oh, that's 200 years before 1776, when the diocese, diocese of Macau. The first, I've been there. Have you been there? No, I've been to Hong Kong. The first diocese in the Far East, Fi F E Fe, Fe Fo Fum, whatever, was established by Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. The book explores the history of Catholicism in China, covering topics such as the division of Chinese dioceses, which. Is a significant matter in ongoing negotiations between the Holy See and the Chinese government. The book draws upon years of research, including archival sources, documents from religious orders, and testimonies, testimonies from key figures in the Chinese Catholic Church (CCC). Yes, period. It provides information about the bishops who led the diocese, traces the foundation and development of each diocese, and documents the jurisdictions of districts, counties, and cities. Professor Liu Ziqing, the author, has been studying and researching Chinese Catholicism for thirty years. He is a lecturer in the Institute of History and Social Development. And serves as the executive director of the Institute for the Study of Religion and Culture at Anyang Normal University in Henan Province. Liu has also coordinated with institutions such as the Chinese University of Hong Kong, Hong Kong, and Fu Fujian. Catholic University in Taiwan, 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 contributing to the exchange of papers and research. Researching what? I don't know. Nicaraguan dictatorship places and Denista flags in front of cathedral of imprisoned people. What? What's up, Alan? Cruising? We're cruising. In addition to this book, Professor Liu. Has authored various articles on Chinese Catholicism, Chinese Catholicism, including Kevin, help me. You're gonna learn today, okay? In addition to this book, Professor Liu has authored various articles on Chinese Catholicism, 
including studies on the history and current situation of Catholic diocese in China, the formation of priests in Anyang diocese, and the impact of religion on Chinese society. His recent research includes the missionary history of religious congregations in China, providing a comprehensive account of the missionary work carried out in 27 Yi Sapsamga religious congregations and missionary institutes in China. The end. That's so short. I know, right? I want some more info. That's what I want. I'll click on my name, professor of what I don't know. The new book documents history and future of Chinese Catholicism about us. There is no more people. Mola, Chiang Kai Shek, Fei Lu, 